is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you men and women lie, but numbers don't. Welcome in. We're live here on this Monday. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend here in Atlanta as we are back in the saddle. After last week, a week full of live streams here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. It was great to be with you guys. Certainly appreciate everybody chiming in and watching the show live, but we are back here in podcast format and certainly uh, ready to go for a big week here. In Atlanta, we've got a lot to get to. My buddy Aaron Freeman of uh, Locked On Falcons will join us right here on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network uh, for today's show as well. We'll get into some NFL, but we have a lot to get to with the Braves. Reminder: follow us on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zeno. Search for Locked On Sports Atlanta wherever you get your podcast, and keep this train going, guys. Three thousand subscribers on that YouTube channel already. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a subscribe, and uh, we will continue to churn out daily content. And the best. Of- Sports content here in Atlanta, right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. All right. Uh, We have a huge, huge week ahead for the Atlanta Braves. And oh, by the way, you know, yesterday was a game that a lot of teams lose. Yesterday was a game that a lot of good teams don't win. Uh, And so it was great to see the Braves fight their way through it, come back uh, and and steal a win in the ninth inning uh, from away from the Florida Marlins and end up taking all six games uh, against Boston and Miami and taking care of business against lesser teams. Five and a half back in the Mets as they start this big series and the big week. And I've been I've been leading up to this week telling you guys that this is like, you know, playoff week. Seven games, all at home, four against the Mets, three against the Astros. You're going to get the very best of what Major League Baseball has to offer. And in the big picture, I'd love to see them win four out of these seven games. But let's just focus on the Mets series right off the bat here, because I I think that is really important when it comes to um, looking at a big picture situation for the playoffs, because let's just look at this objectively. Objectively, the Mets right now are probably the best team in baseball. You know, they are like legit one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball for my money. And this is not the same Mets team that, we are used to seeing in ones from years past. This is a completely different animal. And right now, they have an edge on the Braves. And Jeff Schultz, who writes at The Athletic, uh, I was filming on 92.9 yesterday, and he came on and joined me on the show, and he alluded to the column that he wrote today on The Athletic about the Braves need to prove something here. And, And I think he's right. They do. Because right now, objectively, the Braves can't beat good teams. The numbers just say that. You know, they're 70 and 46. That's 24 games above 500. That's really good. And I'm not taking anything away from them. You know, for a team that is is playing 650 baseball, can't get mad at them. But dive a little bit deeper into the numbers and see where they are. Against teams that are above 500, they are 21 and 23. 49 and 23 against everybody else. Those numbers are a little bit alarming, and they should be a little bit alarming. You know, it's not, you know, when you're you're winning 60% of your games, but losing 
over 50% of those to teams that you'd likely see in the playoffs, that's not good. And break it down here. Four and eight against the Mets, six and six against the Phillies, two and one against the Dodgers, three and four against the Padres, three and one against St. Louis, and three and three against Milwaukee. That's 21 and 23. Part of the reason that the Braves are 49 and 23 against bad teams, they're 19 and seven against Miami and Washington. That's 73%. They're winning 73% of the times, three out of every four games almost that they play against Washington and Miami. They win. Add in against the two other bottom feeder teams in baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Colorado Rockies. They're another 8-0. They are 79.4% winning percentage. That's 27-7. and So they win 80% of the games against the worst teams in the league. Even at that, just get rid of the bottom feeders between Washington and Miami and Pittsburgh and Colorado, and you take away 27-7. and you know, this is a team now that is 22 and 16. I mean, it's, you know, that's against the rest of baseball. That's not 500. Those are against like the sort of mediocre bad teams. You know, the Giants. Uh, you know, you, you look at other teams, uh, Sanford, what did I say, San Francisco, uh, Texas, Boston, the Reds, the Cubs, you know, these teams that you should be a lot better than against. So the numbers tell you where we are right now with the Braves and why they have to prove something. And it's set up for them to do so. I'll tell you that in a minute. First word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the action that's happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So the numbers aren't good. And what the Braves need to do coming up in this series against the Mets is take back some sort of mental edge by taking three out of four. Look, I'll be objective. I don't think you can sweep the Mets. I don't think they're good enough to sweep the Mets. And, and when the Mets are starting their big four uh, of DeGrom, Scherzer, uh, Walker, and Carrasco, it's actually in reverse order of, of the, where they're going. Carrasco's teeing off tonight against Spencer Strider. But, yeah, I mean, it is something that is – they have got to take three out of four. Splitting does nothing. You know what it says? It says that you're 21 and 23 against above 500 teams. Splitting does nothing. Got to take three out of four. This is the series where they need to prove it. They're home. They're going to get Spencer Strider. They're going to get Kyle Wright in this series. Now, Morton and Odorizzi are huge question marks. Uh, and maybe Max Fried is going to come off the concussion IL at some point. Um, right now, they don't have him penciled in. But it wouldn't surprise me if they bumped Odorizzi and put Kyle, uh, sorry, Max Fried in there and then went Odorizzi against Houston uh, or Kyle Wright against Houston and moved Odorizzi back to the finale of the series. But they have got to prove something. The mental edge is with the Mets. They've owned it uh, after taking four to five. And if the Bra the best the Braves can do is a split, well, that sort of feels like not the advantage that you want. And it starts tonight with Strider. And this young kid has got to have a phenomenal performance. A uh, lot of pressure on him, but I think he's up for it. You guys know my thoughts on Strider. 
and how good he's been all year long and what he's meant to this team and how he's been able to elevate uh, and, and make everybody better around him. Like this is super important for uh, not only for Strider, but for the Braves tonight. Take the first game of this series, because if you're playing catch up after being down one already, you know, I I think that simply this is a really tough spot. If the Mets take three out of four, you can pretty much kiss the division goodbye. Why? Because the Mets have a cupcake schedule the rest of the way out. You want to hear their September, by the way? This is the Mets September. Washington, and home road doesn't matter. Washington, Pittsburgh, Miami, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, above 500 team. Oakland, Miami, Atlanta, above 500 team, and then Washington. They play two above 500 teams the rest of the way. That's it. And most of the rest of those teams are bottom feeder teams. Washington, Pittsburgh, Miami. They even got a series against Colorado. They got to go play, face face the Dodgers too. But towards the end of August, they get three against Colorado. It's cupcake series for the Mets on the way out. Now, the Braves exactly don't have a tough schedule. We know New York and, and Houston. They face Pittsburgh, but St. Louis is above 500. Colorado, Miami, uh, Oakland, Seattle above 500. San Francisco above 500. So they play the Mets again for three. It's a little bit tougher. Not incredibly tough, but a little bit tougher. But if they lose three out of four here and seed two more games to seven and a half, I think you kiss the division goodbye at this point. Going to be fun. Going to be exciting. Brazy to come out on top. All right, coming up next, uh, some reaction to the Falcons preseason game number one. There were two observations that really stuck with me. Plus, we'll talk to Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons coming up next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We got to get to the Falcons and reaction from preseason game number one. But first, time for a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. That's right. You know how we do it every day. We like to uh, set somebody straight, whack them straight upside the head with a shovel of wisdom. You can do so on my Twitter account at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Martha Zeller. You might not know who Martha Zeller or Zoller. I'm not sure how you say it, but Martha Zoller. um, And I was flipping through channels yesterday morning and came across the Georgia gang. Uh, If you're not familiar with this, it's like a political talk show and everything else. And, uh, I, I happened to turn it on and just started listening. Um, and they had come across the idea of legalizing gambling and sports gambling. And the first words out of Martha Zoller's mouth, and by the way, Martha Zoller apparently works for WDUN, which is a radio station uh, and Georgia's most read news website, at least according to the Twitter account for WDUN, uh, where North Georgia comes for news. I guess it's North Georgia anyway. Um, but Martha Zoller had turned around and said, Uh, Very simply that, well, legalizing gambling uh, opens the door for organized crime. Yeah. Um, Explain to me. See, this is what bothers me. And you guys know I'm a huge proponent, the biggest proponent probably in this state of legalizing gambling and sports gambling. That said, you can't make that statement without backing it up with actual facts. Who is doing the organized crime? Name the family. Name the people. What other rings are they operating in? Because if there was an organized crime family here, we would know about it already. They'd be well-known. That's how organized crime works. They don't hide in the shadows. They're, they're pretty out there, right? I mean, 
So just saying there's organized crime, we're not talking about gangs. And oh, by the way, we know all the gangs. We know their names, we know the people who are in them, we know what they do, we know where they live, we know all those things, right? And it's a constant back and forth with authorities. When I talk about gangs, organized crime is something different than a gang. And Martha needs to learn, like, you know, one, if you're going to be a political commentator, you're going to throw stuff out there, make sure you can back it up. But two, uh, as a matter of fact, illegal gambling is what promotes organized crime, not legalized gambling. Legalized gambling, especially in 2022, it's tracked, it's audited, there, it's, there's dealers all over it. Now, I'm not saying organized crime, if it existed here in Georgia, wouldn't try to perpetrate any sort of sports gambling or gambling area. Of course they would. It's what organized crime does. That's kind of the cost of doing business. Just like, you know, there are white collar crimes and people trying to evade taxes and everything else. It happens all the time. Doesn't mean you don't do business. But it's just a lazy old narrative that drives me absolutely insane. There is literally not a single organized crime family I know of operating here in Georgia. And I've done the research. So when you say organized crime, I say, name the family. Who are they? Where do they operate? What do they do? Tell me. Because if you can't tell me, then guess what? You're just making it up and using an old talking point that isn't really relevant. So shovel to you. All right, before we get to the Falcons, every reaction here, word from our friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch roaster in America right here in Georgia because coffee never tasted so good. Guys, Coffee AM is amazing. I have it every morning. Uh, you get coffees from around the world. And these things, if you love the taste of coffee, this is where you go because some of their coffees that they get a hold of from different countries you haven't heard of, just so flavorful, so fresh because they roast them and ship them on the same day, if not close to it. Specialty grade coffees, current crop, organic, fair trade, direct trade from around the world, as I said before, some of the best coffee you'll ever have. Flavored coffees, teas, gift sets, the whole nine. And again, roasted right here in your backyard. Go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on today. Take a look at their full line of menus, uh, full line of coffees, teas, and gift set. Their full menu of those as well. That's coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the promo code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your order of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets at coffeeam.com. Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Okay. So the Atlanta Falcons had their game against the Lions. And there were two major takeaways that I had. And I told you guys all last week that I wasn't going to do the, oh, what do you expect to see in the preseason game? Like that lazy little deal that, that sports hosts like to do. Um, I looked for nothing in this game other than people don't get hurt. And that came true for the most part. Drake London got a little nicked up. Looks like he's not going to play in this upcoming game against the Jets. They'll hold him out, but um, we'll see. Two things that stood out to me, both from the quarterback position. One, Marcus Mariota took off and ran a lot. Now, we haven't seen quarterbacks take off and run here in Atlanta for quite some time. We've seen quarterbacks take off and survive. There's a big difference. The survival part is the, you know, Matt Ryan running for his life, so to speak. So from that standpoint, yeah, uh, this is a, a new thing for us here in Atlanta. But – Marcus Mariota taking off and running, guys, is not the best solution for the Falcons to win football games. Ask yourself objectively, who's the best playmaker on offense? It ain't Marcus Mariota. And at this point, I would argue, without even playing a snap in the NFL, after Kyle Pitts being the best playmaker on this team, Drake London might be the second best playmaker on this team. You know what your quarterback can't do if he pulls the ball down and runs? 
put the ball in the hands of his best playmakers. So don't do that. I get it. Like it's nice to have a quarterback who on third and five and scramble for six yards and get a first down, but that's not going to put you up a lot of points. Again, go back to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson in his MVP year threw for 36 touchdowns and he ran for seven. In the following year, he threw for 26 touchdowns, only ran for seven. Right? Like you gotta throw the ball. You have to be able to pass the ball on a routine basis. If you're a quarterback. If you can't pass the ball with some level of consistency, uh, then guess what? You are going to struggle. And you're going to struggle to score points, and you're going to struggle to be effective. And the bottom line is, is that Marcus Mariota has to figure out a way to get the ball, as I've said repeatedly, to Kyle Pitts and to Drake London and the guys who can make plays. What he is doing, at least we saw in the first preseason game, is a lot what I would have expected from a rookie like Desmond Ritter, which is exactly what Ritter did. Pull the ball down and run. Why do rookies do that? I mean, and I saw Ritter do it several times. As soon as he got to the top of his drop, he was like, oh, okay, I'm out of here. Didn't see the first read there? Take off and run. Those are rookie mistakes. Those are things that you can't do as a rookie. Like, you have to get through your progressions. You have to learn how to read a defense. You have to learn how to uh, move yourself in the pocket before you just pull the ball down and run. But rookies do that more often because they're survivalists. Hey, guess what? I can control the play with my legs. I know I won't make a mistake. And chances are I feel pretty confident I'm going to make this play a net positive. Okay. Glad you feel that way. But again, that's not an offense that's going to be able to score a lot of points. It's great to have, and I'm not saying it's not, but they need to be able to throw the ball. I don't think we saw enough of that with any efficiency. And again, I think like I remember looking up in the fourth quarter and Ritter was like eight for 20, like 90 yards like the numbers were pathetically bad and again i'm not banging on him because he is a rookie and he's still got a ways to go but overall you know for those of you who put a lot of stock in the preseason which i don't these are just sort of mere observations that are way open to being changed at any point in time until we start seeing real games but this is a spot where hey uh you know i want to see them be able to throw the ball more this is what made arthur smith effective in Tennessee was their ability to throw the ball and get the ball in the hands of their best playmakers. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about this with Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. That's coming up next. Uh, deep dive as we get set for preseason game number two coming up against the Jets right here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. It's A to Z, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast search, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Final segment here of A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast search, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel. Give it a thumbs up. Again, approaching 3,000 followers in a really short amount of time, so we appreciate the love and support. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zeno. And you can also follow our next guest at Falcfans, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. He is Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta joining us. Aaron, good to talk to you again, brother. Um how are we feeling these days, uh, post preseason game number one? I think we're feeling good about the young players. They they showed uh, several of them showed flashes against the Lions, and I think when you're talking about a team that's rebuilding, you're focused on the youth. You're focused on the future. Uh, you saw Desmond Ritter play really well at times. Again, you saw some bad throws there, but you know that comes <laughs> with a young quarterback. You can't expect him to come out of the womb looking like Tom Brady. Um, and you saw Arnold Epichetti flash as a pass rusher. We didn't get to see a lot of Drake London, but you know, in the limited action, he did make some plays. 
Um, you know, Tyler Algier did a nice job, was kind of yeah. instrumental on that big play at the end of the game, uh, getting that key block to allow Desmond Ritter to escape the pocket and hit that throw. So I, I think when you look at this Falcons team in terms of the future, you're feeling good after one week again. You, you, you can't necessarily say this means the Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl, you know, next year or anything like that. But you feel pretty good about some of these young, talented players. Yeah, sure. Hope springs eternal. Right. As always. Um, you know, I said this a moment ago and I said it. Uh, I was on 92.9 over the weekend. and I said it there as well. Like we have a mobile quarterback here in Atlanta, which is something that we're not used to. Like we have a mobile quarterback who can take off and run, not take off and survive like Matt Ryan had to. And I think there's a difference. That said. If. Marcus Mariota is running. You know what he's not doing? He's not putting that ball in the hands of his best playmakers and Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and everybody else. So while it's fun and it's nice to have a quarterback who can run, uh, if they can't pass the ball efficiently, there's going to be a problem. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, there's there's things that Marcus Mariota can do that, um, you know, Matt Ryan couldn't do. Obviously, the running is, is a big part of that. And there are things that Matt Ryan did well that Marcus Mariota doesn't do quite as well. And that may be sort of, being able to get rid of the ball quickly, being decisive. There are concerns about his ability to throw the deep ball, all those things. So it, it's sort of a give and a take there. Um, Mariota is going to make your team um, better in certain ways. You know, he may also make your team worse in certain ways. And we'll sort of see where that balance falls this upcoming season. But certainly the Falcons have some pieces around him that can allow him to be successful. We'll just sort of see how successful he can be. I asked this question yesterday, uh, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. You know, I mean, look, you have to sort of take a macro view of everything at this point in time with the Falcons, right? Like, yes, you can get excited about specific plays and uh, things of that nature. But, you know, when I look at what Arthur Smith is trying to build, you know, and I mentioned this too, like they played the Lions, which is a team that's like polar opposite of the Falcons. You know, Dan Campbell, a former player. Uh, you know, biting kneecaps and very quotable. They're on hard knocks. Guys are screaming. Guys are crying. They're all emotional. You know, they're starting to be a fun team to root for. The betting market is getting behind them, getting over their six and a half wins. And yet on the other side, you have the son of FedEx, you know, very buttoned up. And not that Arthur Smith doesn't crack jokes, but they're a little bit different. Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith isn't making these nuts jokes like Dan Campbell is on hard knocks, right? Like, I'm not saying he's not funny, but it's just a different. It's more business suit. It's more reserved it's very professional he uses all the right terms and dan campbell's out there just spewing emotional stuff that people latch latch onto for media clips and quotes and sound bites and things of that nature so when i look at what he's building you know it's hard to necessarily get a feel of it and, and even go to kind of what they built you know the, the lions last two draft picks were in the trenches offensive lineman defensive lineman what were the last two draft picks that falcons took in the first round pass catcher pass catcher so you could see the sort of personality of the coach being put forth in the way they're building their team. So the macro view, even though we're halfway through his second training camp, are, are we feeling like at least we got a sense of the direction? That's that's a tough question to answer, I, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think we know yet. You know, there's, there's, as I say, there's like ways that you can look at it and say, yeah, you know, things are moving in the right direction. But, you know, this this league, stands for not for long in addition to national football league and and you kind of have to have you know momentum but you kind of have to move at a pace that you know is conducive for you to stick around and um i think it's certainly fair to question if the falcons are moving at the pace that they need to be moving um for this thing to to feel like yeah this train is definitely on the tracks and we're headed uh to a brighter future so 
I, I think it's it's hard to answer that question. I, I think the Falcons, I guess we'll find out week one, right? Like last year, we, we went into the uh, Eagles game. You know, I certainly thought they would be very competitive and win that game. And then they kind of got the, you know, floors don't doors blown off of them uh by the by the eagles uh in that game and so i i think week one against the saints you know it's a division rival uh, it's a beatable team but it's it's, it's kind of a team that's sort of built uh to prey on the falcons weaknesses you know the saints are relatively speaking strong in the trenches good defense all those various things so i think you know after you know september 11th uh when week one of the season happens uh this year we'll, we'll kind of have a better feel for where this team is at um so we'll just have to wait and see i guess no and, and honestly i think that's fair like I, I don't know that there's necessarily a something you, a seminal moment or something you can hang your hat on at this point in time that makes you feel like okay this is you know the direction of this team and the identity and that, and that goes back to like every team in the nfl that's good has an identity and if you ask people about it you know exactly what they are ravens it's defense you know it's uh uh, you know, Packers, it's their quarterback. It's Aaron Rodgers, you know? I mean, it's it, there are so many things out there that you can kind of label teams with, and the Falcons don't have that yet. doesn't mean they're not going to get it, but I think you're right. Like, we have to actually start to see, and, and I've said repeatedly, all I want them to do is be competitive. I'm not really worried about wins and losses at this point in time. There's still too many things in a huge state of flux, and clearly they've been able to amass bodies, but we don't know if they're talented bodies enough yet to win football games on a regular basis. But if you can find guys who can be competitive, then you have a chance to at least start building on something next year when the books open up and you have more cap space and everything else. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all, it's all about momentum, right? That's I think what you're looking for this season. If it doesn't necessarily result in the amount of wins that I think people are hoping for, you know, that's fine. But if you can feel like, okay, this thing is moving in the right direction by the time we get to the end of the season. And once you get, you know, that cap space and you can start, you know, plugging holes and spending money to plug some of these holes. You have another draft hall. You know, they showed this past year that they can bring in talent. That was kind of yeah. a question mark after last year's draft. No offense to Kyle Pitts, but, you know, we had a lot of concerns about a lot of those draft picks uh, yeah. a year ago. And this year, again, it's early, but you feel a lot better about their ability to draft. And so there is reasons for optimism for the future. We just kind of have to see sort of between now and then, can they put a good product on the football field? You know, and I still question the defense more than anything. We spent so much time focusing on the offense and Mariota and Pitts and everything else. But, you know, Dean Peace went on this long rant a couple of weeks ago at training camp about how he's tired of hearing about how bad the Falcons are on defense and they want to build a top 10 defense and everything else. That takes time, man. And and this is why when the Roquan Smith rumors came out, I was so like, yes, I'd trade a first rounder for Roquan right now if they take it. Um, you're one of the few teams that can sign them long term. But but. Dean Peace has a record. Teddy Bruschi was his anchor in the middle on the Patriots championship teams. Ray Lewis was an anchor on the Ravens championship teams. Now, the Titans really didn't have that anchor in the middle. He was only there for, I think, two or three years, but they had a lot of young talent. But regardless, go get that anchor, man. Um, and if, if the Bears would be willing to do it, I would offer a first for him. In a heartbeat, I would. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a fan of Roquan Smith. I don't know if the Falcons are at this point where, you know, having that anchor in the middle – is kind of necessary. I, I kind of feel like, you know, and this may be just my biases where, you know, I don't necessarily value linebackers the way that other people do. You know, I think they certainly are a valuable position, but, you know, I don't know if they're going to transform your defense unless you have like a Ray Lewis type of player. And I don't think Roquan Smith is on that level. I think he's a very good player, but I don't think he's on that level. So I feel like the Falcons in terms of if they were going to trade for somebody, you know, and, and pay that guy probably a hundred million dollars, which is, I think, 
the the meat of why Roquan wants out of Chicago because they're not willing to pay him a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think if I'm going to pay a hundred million dollars for a defensive player, I want that player to be a lockdown corner or a dominant pass rusher. And you know, Roquan Smith doesn't fit quite into that category, but he's still a very good football player and certainly will help some team, whether it's the Bears, the Falcons, or, or some other team in the future. But I don't know if I would be willing to give that up uh, for a linebacker. Well, look, I, I think the other piece that they need, honestly, um, and Richie Grant is going to be a lot of pressure on him. But if, if without the linebacker, you better be strong up the middle otherwise. And you have somebody in Grady Jarrett there, and you need somebody on the back end. I know A.J. Terrell is awesome, uh, and he's one of the best corners in the league at this point. But if they can lock down with a safety like Richie Grant that sort of changes the back end of their defense, I think things can improve a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think they have some pieces on defense, right? We, we know that they have some pieces. A lot of them are young. A lot of them are unproven. And it's just, you know, similar to what we've been discussing already. Uh, you know, how many of those guys at the end of the season will you feel good about? Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins, um, Isaiah Oliver, Troy Anderson, Michael Walker, Arnold Evichetti, D'Angelo Malone, et cetera. How many of those guys are going to check boxes by the end of the season? And I think Grant as you know as we look at that group of players i think has as good a chance as anybody in that group yeah he does well listen it's going to be an interesting run all right stay with us through the rest of the uh of the preseason we get ready for the new york jets coming to town uh big monday night football expedition in preseason i know you'll be watching i'll probably put it on but i'm not going to get excited about it (laughs) thanks for the time as always brother i appreciate it appreciate you having me all right, uh, that'll wrap it up here for A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back tomorrow with another show. You guys have a great Monday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you.